of Mr. Ralph Nickleby and his establishments and his undertakings, and of a great joint stock company of vast national importance. Mr. Ralph Nickleby was not, strictly speaking, what you would call a merchant. Neither was he a banker, nor an attorney, nor a special pleader, nor a notary. He was certainly not a tradesman, and still less could he lay claim to the title of a professional gentleman. For it would have been impossible to mention any recognized profession to which he belonged. Nevertheless, as he lived in a spacious house in Golden Square, which, in addition to a brass plate upon the street door, had another brass plate two sizes and a half smaller upon the left-hand doorpost, surmounting a brass model of an infant's fist, grasping a fragment of a skewer, and displaying the word office, it was clear that Mr. Ralph Nickleby did, or pretended to do, business of some kind, and the fact, if it required any further circumstantial evidence, was abundantly demonstrated by the diurnal attendance between the hours of half-past nine and five of a sallow-faced man in rusty brown, who sat upon an uncommonly hard stool in a species of butler's pantry at the end of the passage, and always had a pen behind his ear when he answered the bell. Although a few members of the graver professions live about Golden Square, it is not exactly in anybody's way, to or from anywhere. It is one of the squares that have been, a quarter of the town that has gone down in the world and taken to letting lodgings. Many of its first and second floors are let, furnished, to single gentlemen, and it takes boarders besides. It is a great resort of foreigners, the dark-complexioned men who wear large rings and heavy watchguards and bushy whiskers and who congregate under the opera colonnade and about the box-office in the season between four and five in the afternoon when they give away the orders, all live in Golden Square or within a street of it. Two or three violins and a wind instrument from the opera band reside within its precincts. Its boarding-houses are musical, and the notes of pianos and harps float in the evening-time round the head of the mournful statue, the guardian genius of a little wilderness of shrubs in the centre of the square. On a summer's night, windows are thrown open, and groups of swarthy, moustached men are seen by the passers-by, lounging at the casements and smoking fearfully. Sounds of gruff voices practising vocal music invade the evening silence, and the fumes of choice tobacco scent the air. There, snuff and cigars and German pipes and flutes and violins and violoncellos divide the supremacy between them. It is the region of song and smoke. Street bands are on their metal in Golden Square, and itinerant glee-singers quaver involuntarily as they raise their voices within its boundaries. This would not seem a spot very well adapted to the transaction of business, but Mr. Ralph Nickleby had lived there, notwithstanding, for many years, and uttered no complaint on that score. He knew nobody round about and nobody knew him, although he enjoyed the reputation of being immensely rich. The tradesmen held that he was a sort of lawyer, and the other neighbours opined that he was a kind of general agent, both of which guesses were as correct and definite as guesses about other people's affairs usually are or need to be. 
Mr. Ralph Nickleby sat in his private office one morning, ready dressed to walk abroad. He wore a bottle green spencer over a blue coat, a white waistcoat, grey mixture pantaloons, and Wellington boots drawn over them. The corner of a small plated shirt frill struggled out as if insisting to show itself from between his chin and the top button of his spencer. And the latter garment was not made low enough to conceal a long gold watch chain composed of a series of plain rings, which had its beginning at the handle of a gold repeater in Mr. Nickleby's pocket, and its termination in two little keys, one belonging to the watch itself and the other to some patent padlock. He wore a sprinkling of powder upon his head as if to make himself look benevolent, but if that were his purpose, He would perhaps have done better to powder his countenance also, for there was something in its very wrinkles.